0: Hi everyone, and welcome to Where Faith Grows. I'm your host, Laura Lambert. Every episode, I sit down with a friend, some old and some new, and we explore areas of our lives where we can let faith thrive and flourish. I'm so happy you're joining me here today. Let's find out together where faith can grow. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Where Faith Grows. Thank you so much for joining me back here today. It has been such a fun ride so far. I have loved hearing from you guys and I've loved sharing these women's powerful stories with you. This week on the show is another woman who is so near and dear to my heart. It's my little sister, Lexi Walden. Lexi is currently an Auburn University grad student in the Clinical Mental Health Counseling Program. She's currently completing her internship year where she works in a community mental health center, and she's also working as a graduate assistant for Auburn University Housing. In her free time, she enjoys playing board games with friends, going out and playing trivia or bingo, and hanging out at local coffee shops. We'll be talking today all about mental health. Lexi opens up about her own experience with mental health, and we talk about some damaging ways of thinking about mental health, how to overcome them, and what we can do as Christians to be more of service to people who are struggling. Lexi uses her own professional training and her heart for the Lord to unpack a lot in just a short amount of time. So I think you're going to love it as much as I did. Okay, so let's jump right in. Here's my conversation with Lexi Walden. Hello, Lexi. I'm so glad to have you on the show today. It's good to be here. (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) It's a little weird, but here we are. Full disclosure, as everybody probably heard in the intro, if you just listened to it, Lexi is my sister. So I think you're in for maybe a more real conversation (laughs) and probably, um, yeah, a very interesting one, at least. We're going to talk about some real stuff. We're going to talk about some funny stuff. We're going to cover kind of the whole gamut this morning. So... Okay, Lexi, well, tell everyone kind of what your life has been like the past couple of years because you've been in a lot of flux.
1: Yeah. um, So spring of 2018, I graduated from Vanderbilt with (laughs) with a degree in elementary education. Um, And then I actually made the transition to Auburn where I'm in grad school uh, working towards a degree in counseling. Um, so while I'm there, I'm working for housing and that creates its own set of challenges and adventures. (laughs) Um, and then I'm also taking a bunch of classes for towards counseling. And then this year I have started my practicum and internship semesters where I am gaining experience in the field, working with children and adolescents at a community mental health center.
0: So, yeah, that sounds like a lot for most of us who are just listening to this. I'm over here like, yeah, I work part-time and I take care of a baby, and that's pretty much it. (laughs) Um, But on your hand, so just for people that don't really understand a counseling program, so when you graduate, you're going to have your master's in counseling,
1: Yes. So, essentially, I'll be a therapist. Um, That's more of the term that people are used to hearing. It's like, oh, I'm going to see a therapist, Um, but technically my degree will be in clinical mental health counseling.
0: And so for people who might be interested in pursuing a field like this, going into therapy, what makes a counseling program different from like a master's in social work or a master's in psychology? What would be, what's kind of the difference between those?
1: So there's a lot of similarities and that's where it gets a little bit confusing in choosing a program. Um, It's more about what you want to do in terms of the difference between social work and counseling. Um, A lot of social work is advocacy work. So You're providing resources. You're connecting members of the community with different things. You work very closely with DHR and things to get children the best care that they need. Um, You could be a licensed counselor as well if you go into social work. Um, That is an option that you have for sure. Mm. Um, My program is different because it focuses all on the counseling aspect. If you were to go into a social work program, you would take some counseling classes, but not the same number. So if you're not sure about what you want to do, and you know you want to be in a helping profession to some extent, um, but you're not quite sure where you want to be, social work definitely gives you more options. Um, If you want to zero in on the counseling aspect, then counseling might be more of what you want to do. Um, In terms of psychology, or there's actually a couple of degrees in psychology. So my degree is a master's in counseling um if you wanted to be a counseling psychologist then that's a phd program we can basically do the same things um they make more money which but they, <laughs> they make more money they do but they also go through a lot more school so that is you know you got to weigh those options um and then there's also clinical psychology, which is a lot more research-based. Gotcha. So both of the doctoral programs, you're going to be doing more research. Mine is more practical application-based.
0: That makes sense. Okay. okay, thanks for clarifying that for everybody. Um, and tell us about just what's your experience been like in the program so far? Do you, have you liked it? Would you recommend it? If somebody else wanted to go into counseling, do you think you would send them through your program, or would you recommend something different?
1: Um, I think it all depends on what you're looking for. I'm definitely in more of a secular program. Um, Which has its benefits, for sure, because I get a lot Mm. of the...
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about that next. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) So, held that thought.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But I get a lot of theory and practical application and research-based approaches, which I'm very thankful for. Because going into this field, um, you want to be using those kinds of things with your clients, no matter who you're working with. Sure. Um, I really like the model that my school uses, where it's a cohort model. So you go through the same classes with the same group of people, and you really get to know them and get to lean on them for different things. Um, Of course, my cohort is like 30 people, so you have those dynamics, and it's not always the most fluid experience, but Mm. um, I really do enjoy it, and I, I mean, I love being at the school that I am because Auburn, I feel like, has a great community, and it's a good area to be in to be in school because you can really focus on the school aspect of things, because you're not in like a huge city. And um, I really appreciated that because the pace is a little bit slower. And so that makes it a lot more manageable for me.
0: Totally, that's awesome. So let's go back to this, um, it's a secular program thing. So this is kind of a big question. You may have a lot of thoughts on this. I do. (laughs) (laughs) I know you do, Um, but how, what has it been like being a Christian in a secular program Of a two part question, and well, actually, let's just say let's answer that part first. Let's start there.
1: Um, I feel like it's been a really good experience for me. I really appreciate learning different perspectives. Um, there are obviously going to be things that I don't agree with necessarily, but I see the value in learning from other people's experiences. And I've really grown a lot in who I am because of it. And I've also found people in my program who share my beliefs and that's helped a lot. So we've been able to talk about it and process through things of like, okay, this was said and like, how could this look? Because eventually I do wanna work in a faith-based counseling center. Um, And a lot of what we talk about is leaving your views and things at the door. So not bringing in my faith perspective or anything into a counseling session.
0: Yeah. Um, And do
1: you think that that's good? Do you think that's valuable? I do. Um, I think depending, especially on the setting that you're in, it can be extremely valuable because you don't want to influence your client. You want to give them that space to, like, explore things on their own. Yeah. Um, I
0: I totally am with you on that. I mean, I'm not a counselor. I'm not even trained to be a counselor, but— I think a lot of times people feel alienated by church. They feel they have a lot of baggage when it comes to like the Christian sphere of influence and what they've seen about that. And so I would imagine someone who's coming in who really wants to get help or really wants to see a counselor and then walks right in and it's like you got, you know, Jesus everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's going to be off-putting. Yeah, and <laughs> They're not going to be coming to you at a place ready to get help at that point.
1: Right. And I feel like that's why a lot of people choose to not seek out faith-based counseling um, mm-hmm. because they have been hurt by the church um, because of either their beliefs or even like mental health carries a huge stigma in the church. And there's a view mm-hmm. that um, certain mental health things are sinful or whatever. You can define it how you want to, but yeah that can make it a lot more challenging for people to want to pursue faith-based counseling. Um, Oh, yeah. So in the setting that I am now, the approach that I've taken is if someone brings up their faith, then great, let's talk about it. Um, But I'm Mm -hmm. not going to be the first one to bring it up. So That's a good perspective because also I feel like it gives
0: people a chance to bring it up when they're ready to talk Mm -hmm. about it. Because I also think, um, and this is a lot to unpack, so we'll have to talk about this a little bit. (laughs) But I feel like Sometimes the mental health, I don't, what's the correct, I'm not going to use the correct term here. I don't want to say mental health problems, but the issues Um, we face with our mental health, mm -hmm. I feel like is sometimes tied to the church. And sometimes it's linked to the very thing that, you know, should be saving us, which is our faith. But, you know, you can't expect someone to just be ready to unpack that all at the beginning. Mm
1: -mm. And I take a lot of the approach of, if so, even if someone brings it up in session, that doesn't necessarily mean they want to talk about it. Ooh, so, that's good. I will be the counselor or counselor in training who will say, like, hey, you brought this up. Is this something that you want to include in session or not? And I've had both responses. I've had clients hmm. say, like, no, that's a separate part of my life, which I find really interesting. Oh, yeah, um, that's, that is interesting. That there's not that connection of, like, no, I want this space to be separate from that. Um, and that's something Which is explore. valid if people yeah. feel that way. I mean, I think that, that there's just so much—there's
0: just a web tied up with anything mental health related. And when we start to try and, like, unpack it all at once or just, like, sift through it, it can be mm-hmm. exhausting for people. Especially yeah. if they already feel like they're
1: drowning when they come to you. Right. And then on the other side, I've had people say, like, this is something that's important to me. And these are—I'm working with children and adolescents, so, like— They're saying it in so many words. (laughs) Yes. The level of understanding of this is a little bit limited, but they— At least some of them value it enough to say, like, yeah, let's incorporate that. Um, And then there are others who don't want that as much. And I understand, based on their life experiences and things that they've told me, um, I don't blame them. Yeah, Yeah,
0: totally. So I want to circle back around to something you said earlier because you were saying, talking about how the church has handled mental health. Yes. This is a lot to dive into. It is. We are not, in the very (laughs) least, going to try and cover it all, but I want to hear your thoughts on that.
1: I have very mixed thoughts. Um, I think there is—this is a hard (laughs) one— Yeah, because I also know from
0: what you have told me in the past, which we'll get into this too. A lot of this has been tied to your personal experience. Yeah. But for now, let's just keep it at a bigger level. Like, what what do you? How do you see the church handling mental health? And maybe what room do you see for improvement, or what do you like?
1: Okay. Um, so a lot of what I have seen in churches handling mental health is, in terms of anxiety, I feel like that mm-hmm. is a hot button topic right now especially in churches and just in the world in general, I think people are realizing more and more how much anxiety affects people on a daily basis. Right, and we're not really doing anybody any favors by how we set up our culture either. Right. We're just just fueling the fire. Yeah, we have this fast-paced, go-go culture, and it is not conducive to those people who just need to breathe sometimes. Yeah, we talk about our fast-paced culture as you and I sit here on a rug with our cups of coffee. It's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) We're slowing down today. This (laughs) is fall break, and I'm enjoying it. Um, But in the church, if you have anxiety—and I say this as a general thing. This is not true for every church, obviously. Sure. But I have heard it said multiple times that you should not be anxious, like, God doesn't want you to be anxious. Oh, you need yeah. to combat this. Like, this is not good. This is not healthy. All of these things. We hear the do not worry about anything verse. Yes. And they'll pull it out and say it's a command. Like, you Ooh. should not worry. Dangerous. And if you're spending your life in worry, then that's actually sinning against God. Wow. <laughs> and while I see the value in that statement, because there are people who— will sit there and choose to ruminate over things. Like, yeah. it is a conscious choice. Like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to try and figure it out. And essentially, I'm going to try and play God. Yeah. And that's not a healthy that's way probably. to live. Yeah. Yes. Now, I have heard the caveat of there are people who deal with real mental health things. And, like, you should go talk to a mental health professional about it. So,
0: but to interrupt you really quick, One, I've heard this message before. And honestly, I never even thought about it in terms of mental health because— I feel like the way the church presents anxiety, they do present it as a sin most of the time, and they don't present it as a mental health issue. And as a mm-hmm. result, e- even just now you hearing you say this, I'm like, oh, wow, I never even thought about that as mental health. I mean, yeah. when I'm not in church, I think of anxiety as a mental health issue. But hearing those verses and hearing people say those things in church, I never connected those dots, which is so mm-hmm. interesting. But also, I think, like, when people who— when they say, when they usually give that caveat of now some people really do struggle with this, I don't, if I was truly struggling with anxiety, I don't think I'd be sitting in the pew thinking like, oh yeah, and that's yeah. my, that's me. Yeah, he's talking about me.
1: Right. Um, I actually sat in a service similar to that one time. And I was in, cause I've had my own mental health struggles, which we can talk about too, but I remember sitting there and thinking like, man, if I was in a place where, I was really struggling with this, I wouldn't know where I fall. Like, do I fall in the this is a sin category or do I fall in the this is a real issue category?
0: Well, because people who struggle with anxiety or are struggling and need to get help, it's pretty, I feel like it's pretty rare for someone to be like, this is a mental health issue and I need to seek counseling. Like, that. Yeah, it takes a lot to get to that point for most people. It does.
1: And I think the thing that those sermons do is they equate anxiety with worry. And I think those are two very different things. Oh, yeah. So talk Um, about that for a second. So worry is I'm going to sit there and I'm going to think about these things. And like I mentioned before, it's more of a conscious thing. Like, I'm going to try and work this out in my mind for the future so I don't have to, like, deal with it later. I'm going to deal with it now. Um, Let's say you have, like, a big test coming up. And you're Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to do it all the time. Like, and you get worried about it because you're like, oh, am I doing enough? Am I doing all of these things? And you're like spending all of that time on it. Right. Um, And yes, it's a good thing. It's a productive thing. You want to do well on that test, but all of your mental energy is taken up by that test. Can't focus on anything else. Sure. Anxiety. um, When I experienced the height of my anxiety, it was literally, I would wake up in the morning and... From the time that I woke up in the morning until I went to bed, I just couldn't catch my breath. Like, wow. there wasn't anything in particular that made me super anxious. It wasn't like, oh, I'm worried about this, or I'm worried about that. It was just like, no, this is the existence that I have right now. It's like, <laughs> I can't catch <laughs> like, up with this myself. Is just
0: what it's like. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, but differenti- differentiating those two is very difficult when you're in it because you're like— mm. Even in those times, yeah, I was worried about things. I was sitting there and I'm like, oh, I have to go to school. I have to do these things. But it was more about like, how am I going to function with this feeling as opposed to like, I have all of these things to do and I don't know how to do them. Well,
0: and then you go to church and you hear a sermon about how you should just stop worrying about things because it's a sin and Jesus doesn't want you to do that. And then you're sitting there like, well, I guess if I try a little harder, yeah, then I'll feel a little better. And, I mean, that's just—we're just making—people we're, just making, we're di- people are in a pit and we're telling them to dig their own way out, basically. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that can be very damaging. And yeah. I also think, I mean— Mm, Well, I think a lot of things, but (laughs) (laughs) I think that that's a damaging place to be because Mm -hmm. the thought that, you know, I'm sure you were sitting there thinking, well, I guess I just have to fix this. Yeah. And then the guilt and the shame that you place on yourself when you can't.
1: Yeah. It's really hard. And I don't want to discredit churches. Right. Because I do think they're doing great things for talking about mental health in yeah, and we're seeing it more.
0: We're, yes, I think more churches are starting to talk about mental health. And also, another caveat about that is we also have to realize. I think for a long time, the church was just doing the best with what it knew, mm-hmm. and that's what we're all doing, really. Yeah, you know, it's not like anyone was intentionally saying, "Let's
1: stick it to these people with anxiety." Right. <laughs> and they need more to worry about. <laughs> and I think even now, like that the sermon that I mes- mentioned before. Um, I can look back on it and say, like, yes, that was actually really useful. And I know for a fact it helped a lot of people who were there who spend a lot of their time worrying. Sure. I just think we have to be careful about equating worry with anxiety. Yeah, that's such and a good point. especially for the people, like you were saying, who don't really know where they fall on that spectrum, we have to be really careful because we don't want to do more harm than good. Right. And we need to give people real resources
0: that they can reach out to other than just pray about it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Or even just throwing out the, like, go see someone. Like, that's great. But let's have those tangible resources where we can say, look, this is who we're connected with. Let's go talk to these people. Or like, if you have questions, we have people in the back who would love to talk to you. Like, that's so so good. You can help them figure out okay where do you fall yeah because go see someone or
0: go talk to someone it puts it right back on that person who is already drowning yeah and what are they gonna do i mean they're not gonna go there most of the time maybe they will sometimes i but, wouldn't yeah and yeah you're like i really wouldn't have done that <laughs> no <laughs> today's show is brought to you by celebrate life market I'm always looking for shirts and other clothing items that share positive messages and inspire people. I love using what I wear to strike up conversations about faith and joy and positivity. Celebrate Life Market on Etsy is my new go-to place to find all kinds of positive and uplifting shirts, sweatshirts, and tote bags. I just bought the shirt I'm actually wearing right now from them. It says, make everybody feel like a somebody. I love it so much. It's cute, colorful, and so soft. And I just love the thought that I'm using what I wear to spread a message of hope and positivity. If you spend $35 with them on Etsy, you can get free shipping for your order. And if you use code Grows, you can get 10% off today just for being a listener of the podcast. So head over to Etsy.com today and search Celebrate Life Market to find them. Okay, so you brought up something just now that made me want to ask you this question. But you were saying about, uh, or I think I actually said it, praying about it. So I know we have talked about this in the past, but I want to bring it up here today because it totally relates to this. But I know, um, I don't think I, I never struggled with anxiety, but I certainly struggled with just thoughts of like, uh, when I was a kid, just a lot of like, wow, does God really hear me? Maybe even a little bit of depression. Yeah, a little bit. And um, I, I would hear it over and over again just to pray about it. And to me, that's an, another equally, Not that prayer doesn't work. We all know prayer works. But I think that's another equally scary thing to put on somebody who's struggling with something. And I want to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. um, I definitely see value in that, of course. Like, we want to bring our concerns and everything to God. I do think it is challenging because nine times out of ten, if you are most people, you're not going to get a verbal response. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen. But Uh as, like, most experiences— Most
0: people's prayer life.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're not going to have, like, a auditory conversation. And I think especially with mental health things, yes, we want to take these things to God. And, yes, we want to, like, seek these things out in Scripture, and those are really important things to do. But I also think there's so much value in just talking to another human. Yeah. And I think that's where— counseling and faith-based counseling specifically can be very, very important because you can bring in those things, but also bring in the like, okay, here's what research says. And Mm -hmm. I think we discredit those things because we over-spiritualize everything in our lives. And there are spiritual components to most everything that we deal with, but we have to be careful about like saying, oh, just my least favorite (laughs)
0: Least favorite saying. I wish everyone could see your face right now as you're saying this. uh,
1: It's so bad. I don't like let go and let God. I think if it works for you, that's amazing. Find what works for you. That's really the bottom line to all of this is you've got to find what works for you because every person is different. But don't feel guilty if you are not the person who...
0: I mean, I think that there is a lot of stigma placed on someone going to see a counselor because it's almost seen as weakness, especially in the church, which is so funny because it should really be the very place where it's seen as a strength. But Mm -hmm. we see going to see a counselor as, oh, that girl couldn't just pray about it? Like, why didn't she take her worries to
1: God? It's like, you know what? (laughs) I had, so I was really struggling with anxiety in a later period of life. And I actually sat down and talked to my pastor about it because I was like, look, I'm feeling guilty about this. I feel like I should be able to deal with this. I feel like I have prayed about it. I have done all of these things. Sure. And he said the most amazing thing to me, and I will forever be grateful for it. He was like, when someone has high blood pressure and they go to a doctor for it, they don't say, oh, you just need to pray about it. No, they get medicine. Like, what is the difference in mental health? It's so true. And so that really encouraged me to, like, go back and see someone again because I was like, God has given us people and resources and research and all of these things, and we cannot discredit those just because, like, we should be able to, quote, pray about it, and it should be fine. Well, and the other thing is, I think when people— I keep using the term
0: drowning, but— That is what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, I just—I think when people feel like they're drowning under their own mental health concerns and weights— How do we expect them to take it to God and really be in a place where, like, maybe, you know, let's just say the Holy Spirit is speaking to them. Well, maybe they're in a spot where it's like—I think when you're in a spot like that, what I'm trying to say is you really can't hear it. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to be— you, you have to be in a pretty good place, I feel like, to really be letting Him guide you through your life and listening and responding to what He has to say. And you have to be totally receptive to that. But if you're just drowning and someone's like, well, you just need to go pray about it, I think that that's really tough. We're, we're taking them from point A and saying, why don't you start here at point H? Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get moving. But sometimes you just—I feel like you need someone to carry most of that weight for you, and it's not fair to think that they could do that all through prayer.
1: And that's something that I'm so thankful for in my own, like, mental health journey is I know I had other people praying for me Mm -hmm. because— Oh, that's such a good point. I did not— Because sometimes you just can't. Yeah, I didn't have that capacity. Like, yeah, I prayed, but let's be honest and say, like, there were some half-hearted prayers. Like, it was just like, oh God, I want you to take this away from me. Sure. But sometimes he wants you to walk through it. Like he's not always gonna move the mountain. Sometimes you gotta climb. Yeah. And like it is not easy.
0: Yeah. Well, and I love what you said about you need other people to pray for you. And I think that's another thing we let people feel guilty about is we'll go to somebody and we'll just we'll be so sweet, we'll touch him on the shoulder and we'll say, What is God teaching you through this? And you just wanna say, Nothing.
1: It sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I mm. I don't know. This is going to be another controversial opinion that I have. Go ahead, um, girl. We're all about that here. Is I don't like the everything happens for a reason mentality. Yeah. And I'm not saying God doesn't have a plan because That's I think he does. Yeah. And I 100% believe that God can make good out of anything. Yeah. I think one, of, sorry to jump in really fast. Yeah. One of my
0: favorite kind of new things i've heard people say that i've just latched onto and i've used it a lot now it's not um everything happens for a reason it's god isn't surprised by this yeah i because that second one is so true he's yeah. not surprised by anything we walk through he has a plan he knows it's going to happen but it doesn't mean that your valley right now was what he wanted for you.
1: Right. <laughs> and I think, especially in mental health, that statement is so powerful. Of yeah. like, He did not want that abuse to happen in your life. That sure. was not his desire for your life. Mm-hmm. Does he know we are humans and humans make terrible choices? Yes. Yeah. And can he look at that and say, okay, this happened. I know it happened. But let's take this and use it absolutely yeah and he's not surprised by any of it no
0: yeah that's that's such a powerful statement because oof that that's a tough one when we tell people what well let's go back to the what are you learning through this i think that is such a damaging thing that we say to people we say what we take people in their lowest of low and we want it's about it's very selfish because mm-hmm. it's we want we want to gain something from their pain. Like, we want to know, like, oh, just teach me. Oh, tell me, what is God teaching you? I want to know. And it's like, you know, this ain't about you right now, Karen.
1: Yeah. And I think <laughs> the other thing that it does is it helps you make sense of it, the person asking that question. Because you can look yes. in and you can see, like, and this is awful. This is horrible. But they like, see pain and they just have to make sense of it. They yeah, need to. Because they're not in it, so they don't experience it personally, but they're watching it and they're like, I can't do anything about it. So if I ask this question of like, what is God teaching you? Yeah, Then it makes it a little bit better because then it's like, okay, we can justify this then. And we so desperately as humans want to justify everything that happens and, like, makes sense of it. We Uh are creatures of reason and logic and all of that. And when there's stuff that just doesn't make sense, we struggle with that. Yeah. So I get that question. I understand it. I see why people ask it for sure. Yeah.
0: But, you know, when someone's truly struggling, like, sometimes they just really need someone who's just going to sit with them. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And I think as church people, that is one of the best things that we can do Mm. is just be. Like, we don't have to ask them the right questions. And that's something I'm learning even in counseling, too. It's like, I don't have to have the best question. Sometimes someone just wants a person to sit there and just be with them in the hurt.
0: Yeah, and that's healing. Because yeah. it. no one's sitting there with a checklist of how you get from your valley to your mountain. No one's giving you your 10-step plan that you have to go do. Because sometimes, you know, you just don't have the energy. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody's telling you this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, fix it. Mm-hmm. Instead they're just saying, let's just take a deep breath. Yeah. Let's just sit here for a minute. Because I think when someone's in the midst of their we're just gonna keep calling it a valley, when someone's mm-hmm. in the midst of their valley, they don't have the energy to start climbing yet. No. And why do we pretend like that's not okay? Yeah. Cause you know, do we want them to find true healing? Sure. But it again, it's a little bit selfish to think they need to be there now.
1: And a lot of what we talk about in counseling is one of the trainings that I went through was trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy, which is just a long way of saying. Yeah, I was like, wow, that is <laughs> that, quite the title. Just, just a long way of saying, like, ways to deal with your trauma that you've experienced. <laughs> ways to
0: deal with your trauma.
1: <laughs> Part I mean. one. Part one. But a lot of what that does is the foundation that you lay is coping skills. No, I have my issues with coping skills. I think they are great, but ultimately, like, our goal is not to just, you know, deal with it on a daily basis. We want to, like, really conquer yeah. those issues. Coping is like a Band-Aid. It is, but it's sometimes necessary. Sure. So the foundation is building those coping skills. So then when you go deeper into the trauma, you have the tools to deal with them. Oh, good. And it's good. the yeah. same thing in what we're doing with mental health is we're saying, like, oh, you don't have the tools, too bad. Like, we're just going to throw you in the midst of things and you have to deal with it. Best of luck. And that's awful. Like, why would we do that? We would never send a soldier into battle with no weapon. Like, you don't just throw them out there and say, figure it out. Oh, there might be a gun over there somewhere, but you got to go find it. Go rustle around. Yeah. So why do we do that with mental health? Where we say, like, in the church, we say, oh, well, you just need to, like, give it to God. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, but I don't have any tools to do that. We have to be the ones helping people find those tools. Yeah,
0: we like to use our buzzwords, but we don't tell people like how to actually do that. Yes we don't make it practical for them and especially when people are in crisis, they need practical because yeah, who has the energy in crisis to try to figure it all out? Nobody no we need we need practical, practical, practical. yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, we bounced around this just a little bit and I think you started to touch on it so it's a good time to cover it. Okay. So how? what do you think is the answer to fixing how the church has dealt with mental health? And we, we both know it's starting to get better, and yep. it's also not all churches, so we're going to yep. just put out both those caveats. But
1: what do you think is the answer? How, what's, what should we be doing? I think we've got to find a balance in how we talk about it in the church and also the ways that we help people help themselves. mm because helping people help themselves great statement (laughs) because i think right now you can teach a sermon series on casting your anxiety on the lord and that's great and it will will help a lot of people Mm -hmm. 100 percent um but then like i mentioned before i think having those resources is vitally important like yeah making sure that you balance it with If you have any questions, we have people for you to talk to. And it doesn't even have to be licensed therapists. Like, that's not always realistic. I know there are very small churches. You don't have the resources for that. Even just handouts. Like, there's so many mental health resources Mm -hmm. that say, like, it's basically, like, a questionnaire or whatever. Or people can fill it out and see where they fall and what they might need. And then at the end, it's here are the resources in our community. And I think taking that time to do your research of, Mm -hmm. okay, here are the faith-based counselors in our area. Here are the secular counselors in our area. Because you never know what people are going to want. It's like we talked about earlier. Some people may not want to bring that into session immediately. Yeah, they might not be ready yet. So give them something to hold on to until they are ready. And even the most secular of secular counselors, like, Part of what we get in our training is you bring in what's important to the client. So if a client comes into me and is Buddhist and that's really important to them, then you better believe I'm going to go do my research. Yeah, you're going to be Googling Buddhism. <laughs> right. <laughs> if they want to bring that into session, there's going to be a lot of times where I'm like, I need you to teach me because I'm not going to pretend to be the all knowing person on this. Sure. But even Going back to Christianity, there may counselors who are like, I don't like this. I don't agree with this. But they know if it's important to their client, they're going to bring it into session. Yeah. And they don't shy away from that. And That's
0: really good to hear because I do think a lot of people who are in the church— Again, we make people feel guilty if they're seeing a secular counselor or they're going to a secular institution for their mental health. We make them feel guilty for going in the first place. Then we make them feel guilty because of who they chose. Like, well, why didn't you just talk to your pastor? Yeah. So that's another thing that we could spend a lot of time unpacking. We're not going to. But I think that's another dangerous thing. It's like we want people to get help. We want people to get real help. And if they're struggling at that kind of level, it is okay to see a true professional— Yeah. In the mental
1: health field, no matter what that looks like. And I think there's a huge misunderstanding. And even I didn't really understand because Mm. I wanted a faith-based counselor because I didn't know that I could talk about faith with a non-Christian counselor. Yes. I just had no idea. That is the whole concept of therapy is that the client guides it. Like whoever is coming in you get to pick what we talk about. Yeah, and You get to, like, guide those sessions. Yeah, they're going to be And times that person is trained to do so. Right. No matter what you want to talk about. And you, there will be times when your counselor, your therapist, whoever, is going to challenge you and say, like, hey, we've kind of danced around this topic a while. I think we need to talk about it. That's great. Yeah. But also trust that they're going to have the tools ready for you to help you talk through it. Yeah. Um, and then I want to go back to what you said about, like, talking to your pastor yeah um because I've talked to my pastor and sure. he was the one who gave me that great insight of like going to a doctor for high blood pressure mm-hmm. and I think there are great pastors who will give you good advice good insight all those things there is a limit to what they can do because they are not trained in the same yeah. way that we are and I think it's yeah. important I had someone ask me the other day about like the different supports that I had in mm-hmm. my life, and I said I was so thankful for the different people that I had who served different roles. And I yes. think everybody serves a different role. Yes, go talk to your pastor. They are going to give you like the faith based counsel that you need. Yeah. Go talk to a counselor because that's a huge part of it. Yeah, you know? it is. And your spiritual health is very important. Your mental health is very important. But sometimes you need to see different people for different things. And they're and you need both. Yeah. It's
0: just—it's another it's another over-spiritualizing of things to think that your mental health can be fixed by fixing your spiritual life. Yeah. Because that, that that's not the case for most people. So to think that you could go to a spiritual counselor for all of your needs
1: mm-hmm.
0: if you're really struggling with mental health is just unlikely.
1: Yeah. And even I think of addictions. There are just some practical things mm. that a counselor can offer that— A pastor might not be able to. And there are a lot of things in the Bible that talk about addiction. And there are a lot of things that reference, like, freedom from whatever. Um, But then in terms of, like, gaining those practical tools of day-to-day, I'm struggling with this. I need, like, I need those coping skills that are not always—they're kind of the Band-Aid. But sometimes we need that Band-Aid until we can really fix the problem. And it's like— You may need to go somewhere to get your band-aids and then you'll go somewhere else and they'll give you like your little ointment and then (laughs) you just, you keep going to your different little places and you come at it from a holistic approach. Like you don't need just one thing usually. It's a lot of different things and they work together Mm. and that's what ultimately makes the most change. So talking about that holistic approach. Yes.
0: How? We've talked a lot about how we put Jesus into everything and how that can be damaging. Yeah. But how does Jesus fit into true mental health healing?
1: Big question. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm glad you waited till later on to ask that, because if you had started with that, I would probably have really struggled. you got to ponder I, it for a few. Yeah, I still might. But I know I can talk from personal experience on this one. Perfect. Because I think that's going to be the most effective. For me... I needed that aspect of things because I carried a lot of guilt and shame. And I think there can be guilt and shame in the church, but there can also be a lot of freedom in knowing like, you know, there are other people in the Bible who have actually experienced stuff like this. Mm. Mm. And that's something that I really want to do. Like one of my lofty gold dreams things is i want to create a mental health bible study because i want to go through the bible and say like if you look at the psalms and david he had some like moods (laughs) he he was went from like lord i praise you to all of these things for all of these things to like this is the pits like literally (laughs) the
0: pit of despair we hear about
1: that quite a bit yeah and so, okay, David had all of these ranges of emotions. Sure. But somehow he was still highly favored with God. Like— Oh, wow. So That's so powerful. We are allowed to experience these things and still be doing what God wants us to do. I love that so much. And I think there can be a lot of freedom in that. So, yeah. knowing, like, I'm not alone. There are people who, one, in the Bible have experienced this. too. It's like we talked about before, like, that community of people who are praying for you. That is, can make a world of difference when you can't do it yourself. Sure. I, I'm going to butcher this because I don't remember who it was in the Bible. Um, but, you know, just details. <laughs> but, I, um, no, I'm not even going to try. When. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's going to be butchered there, too bad. It's, it's just, just <laughs> it's going to be bad.
1: We might edit this out later. Who knows? Someone will, um, someone
0: will, uh social media shame you yeah, for not probably. remembering. <laughs>
1: but whoever was in the Bible that was standing there and like had their hands lifted and physically could not hold their hands up for any longer and oh, they had yeah. people come by and like, I need you to continue to hold my hands up for me. Oh Because yes. I remember this story but I can't remember who it was either. I know, I wish I could remember but we need those people who are going to be our hand holders. Yes. And like, that is what the church can do and they can be that just social support of like, I'm praying for you. I am Like, I'm here for you. I am just that presence of, like, if you just need a person, I will be there. And I think that is invaluable. And we don't want to forget that with, you know, some of the views of the church that are still shifting. Um, Is that something that it provides that is so great is that community. It was Moses. Okay, I thought it was Moses, but I didn't want to say it. Yeah, okay, so I just yeah. looked
0: it up. So now we know where it came from, everyone. Yes. In Exodus 17, 12, it says, When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset.
1: Yeah.
0: NIV, translation,
1: everyone. <laughs> so we need those people. and That's brilliant. That's what I think the church does really well, is it provides just— Humans, because... People to hold your hands up. Especially when you're going through serious struggles, it can feel isolating. Yeah. It can feel like you have no one. And if you're not ready to go to a counselor yet, sometimes just knowing like, okay, I have people. Mm. That can make the world of difference. And you can't discount that. But what you're saying is really
0: powerful. So to tie it back into what we were saying before... Before we were saying, you know, it is not our job to go to people who are just in their struggle and try to try to glean knowledge of what Jesus is doing in their life. That yeah. is not part of our job. Our job is to be the hand holders mm-hmm. or the hand holder uppers, yeah, whatever for other people. Yeah, and that's that is the basis of true healing.
1: And I think letting those people tell you what they need. Yes, and, they're and not, not feeling like you're going to fix it either. Right, and they're not always going to know like yeah they're not always gonna be be able to articulate it mm. um, but if you are asking them like tell me what you need like how can I help you they're like I just don't know right now then that's okay sitting there yeah so that then, can be a lot and then you've opened that door for them to come back to you later and say okay I know what I need now
0: yeah yeah <laughs> that's yes so one uh, I have like a last question on this topic for you and then we're gonna get to something fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm putting you on the spot. I did not tell you to prepare for this, so I hope that you know some things, but if you don't, it's okay. <laughs> what are some national resources for people, whether that if they want to go seek help or whether they want to find it online or just information? Is there What can you think of that would be, like, a good tangible resource for people if they're listening to this and they're like, I kind of want to reach out to somebody? Where do you start?
1: Um, I know... <clears throat> therapy.com actually is a resource. That, that sounds fake. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to It does. But, <laughs> but they, it's not, apparently. No, they have um, resources. It can connect you with counselors. And you can filter by, like, who you want to see. So if you want mm. someone who specializes in um, PTSD, for example. Or if you want someone who specializes in, like, eating disorders or something yeah. like that. Then they have um, all of that available. You can search. That's awesome. Okay, so then they can find resources through that. Yes. That's so awesome. that's like if you want an individual counselor, um, you can go search all of those things. That's amazing. That's like an all-in-one. Yes. I also know a lot of insurance companies. If you go on their portal, you can see what's covered um, and like what's in the network, and then you can oh, do yeah. a little research based on that. Ooh, um that's good. Yes. There are a few, like, there's more, like, faith-based. If you need more intensive treatment, there's, like, inpatient. Sure. Or that's not what I wanted. Uh, inpatient would be, like, hospital. Um, residential. Like a
0: residential program
1: where you can really yes. go
0: immerse yourself in what you yes. need at that
1: time. So um, Teen Challenge is one that a lot of people have heard of. Yeah. And I've heard great things about it. Good. Um there's also just like girls' homes, things like that. Really searching based on issue and what you need. Well and who and yeah, that person's demographic or who they are. Yeah, and like what's in your area. Um I have personal connections to Mercy Multiplied. It used to be Mercy Ministries. Um they're a faith-based residential home for girls ages, oh gosh. <laughs> Fourteen to thirty six. Oh I think. wow! I didn't realize the range was that large. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they just extended it, and I could be completely wrong on that. It might be like, I think it was thirty two when I was there, but I think they extended, extended it. it. Um, but I love their model because they have all licensed counselors, mm-hmm. but they also highly emphasize your spiritual health as well. That's good. Uh, um, so, but they're all residential. Yes. Okay. So, not outpatient, but they have transitional care, which is once you graduate from the program, they have people who are checking in on you to support you and help make that transition easier. Cool. Um, That's awesome. But, yes, they have a really neat model of how they help you deal with, like, those life-controlling issues. And people who are just really in the weeds. Yes. And I think it can be very effective because I— like the model of counseling of let the client really guide it but especially for a program that's like six to nine months or whatever it is Mm -hmm. it's so much more useful in my opinion to have like okay we're going to work through this and we're going to move and it's fluid so like you can go back and forth or whatever that's nice um but it gives you some guidance to go through very cool Mm -hmm. well Thank you so
0: much for unpacking all this stuff with me today. Yes. That was a lot, but I hope everyone enjoyed it. We're going to end with something much more lighthearted. Okay. I um, I said this in another one of my podcast episodes, but I'll probably just continue saying it because I want to give credit. I love Jamie Ivy's podcast, The Happy Hour. Mm-hmm. I listen to it while I run. She's probably, like, the only reason why I am successfully running as far as I am because I really enjoy listening to her conversations, but... She does something at the end of all her podcasts where she says, tell me three things you're loving right now. Okay. And I'm just totally ripping it off because I love that. I think that's so cool. So these don't have to be, these don't have to be spiritual things at all. This is like just three things in your life you're loving right now. They could be physical things. Doesn't matter.
1: Whatever you want. Three things. Um, one, I am loving just this break, being home, and ah, yes. <laughs> getting to be with my nephew is just the best thing. <laughs> That's my son, for everyone yes. who's wondering. He's three months old. And he's precious, and that honestly sometimes is the best therapy, is just holding a baby. Uh, <laughs> yes, I am loving the friends that I have in Auburn. I have a great group of friends, um, very supportive. People that I work with are amazing, all of that feel very very socially supported. Yes. Um and 3, do you like
0: a product? Give me like a product you're loving as your third one. Ooh, okay. Sorry, I want to I, I was going too deep. <laughs> um No, you can go deep. That's fine. <laughs> I just want to know because you always like you always show me cool things that you have found that mm-hmm. I want to try and I just think other people would probably
1: also benefit from this. Um Oh gosh. Now, I literally can't think of anything that I use on a regular basis. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I don't use products. Products? What? Um,
0: You don't have to. You could do something different if you want to. I just thought I would pick your brain on that because I think you always
1: find good things. I, so... My internship site is a little bit challenging. Like, there's just a lot. So, something that made me happy is I went to Target. And I went to the dollar spot, and I got these fake succulents. And I've they seen had, these. Yes, okay. And they're in these little, like, mug things. And it says, like, hello, Autumn, and, like, grateful and things like that. Adorable. So, I take them back and forth. Because, you travel with them yes because it's not my desk so i don't leave them there <laughs> oh my so. gosh i'm just picturing you traveling in your car with these pics okay they're like fit in the palm of your hand they're not that big and that's why they're <laughs> fake and not real but i love them because they're just my little happy thing that i bring with me and it's like okay this is part of my space and i put them on my desk and that is another thing that makes me happy that is such a
0: cool idea, though. I I don't. I'm such like kind of a minimalist. I never would like travel with decor. But what a good <laughs> idea!
1: I because it makes you feel like it's your space. Yes, and yeah. especially when like there are a lot of things that are outside of my control in that environment. And so being able to say like, okay, I'm gonna set up my space as much as I can. Like and I'm gonna make it pretty. I'm yeah, gonna make, it, make me feel happy. Yeah, I'm not gonna bring in like a tote bag full of things. But <laughs> I can bring two succulents.
0: Now we're gonna have all these people like bringing their decor to the doctor's office and all this kind of stuff like yeah. do what makes you happy do you <laughs> well thank you yeah thank you for being here today i really enjoyed it and this weekend i've enjoyed yes. spending time with you same beer Wow. As always, I sure do love spending time with Lexi, and I'm so honored to be big sister to such a wise and compassionate woman. As you can see, she really knows her stuff. (laughs) She's been learning so much, not only in her program, but also in her faith, and I loved giving her the opportunity to share all of it with you all. If you're struggling right now or you know someone who is, I linked all the resources Lexi talked about in the show notes below. Please look them over and feel free to do more research of your own on all that's out there. There are plenty of amazing resources linked here, and all of them are full of people who are well-equipped to help you or your loved one in their time of need. I loved when Lexi said, as church people, one of the best things we can do for people is to just be. She said, we don't have to have all the answers or ask all the right questions. Often what someone else wants and needs is someone who's just willing to sit with them in their valley. I loved that so much because that's truly something all of us are already equipped to do right now. You can do that right now. Like I said, I hope you loved this episode as much as I did. I know that you can see Lexi's heart is truly to help and serve people through her work. And I just adore that about her. (laughs) I hope you leave today inspired and rejuvenated. And if you're sitting in a valley right now, I hope that you leave today feeling just a little bit lighter and knowing where to take your next step. Know that we love you and that we're praying for you all the time. Today's show music was created by Nick Petrov and show notes and editing were done by me. Thanks for listening. Thanks again for joining me, everyone. If you love Where Faith Grows, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and give it a thumbs up. I sure am glad to have you join me in this space where we can explore faith and all the places it grows together. Have a wonderful week, friends. I'll see you next time on Where Faith Grows.